0: You're listening to The Greek's Gridiron, live with Aethan Haristadoulou. Two years ago, I was stuck in a wheelchair, staring down at my mangled leg, wondering if I'd ever be able to go on a walk with my wife again, or play games with my kids in the yard. Putting my helmet back on was the farthest thing from my mind. I just kept asking myself, all this for a stupid game but then someone did something that changed my recovery completely he put a football back in my hands I don't know what it was but all of a sudden I felt stronger more driven and what once seemed impossible began to come into focus and the truth is over the course of my life that's what this game has done for me I was a skinny no-name recruit who wasn't even supposed to play in college let alone go to New York as a Heisman finalist or be the first one to have his name called on draft night. And then, on a routine play, I almost lost everything. But football wouldn't let me give up because no, this isn't just a game. It's not just what happens between those white lines on a Sunday afternoon. It's about the challenges and the commitment they require. It's about how hard and how far you can push yourself It's about the bond between those 53 guys in the locker room and everybody else in the organization. It's about fully committing yourself to something bigger. And most of all, it's about you. So to everyone out there, whether you're a part of Niner Nation, the Chiefs Kingdom or the Burgundy and Gold, I thank you to all the men I had the privilege of standing with and playing alongside. Thank you. I want to say thank you for believing in me. And thank you for helping me believe in myself and in the impossible.
1: And here we go. Wow, folks, Alex Smith for the first time since... Because even
0: though I've got plenty of snaps left in me, after 16 years of giving this game everything I've got, I can't wait to see what else is possible. But first, I'm going to take a little time to enjoy a few of those walks with my wife and my kids have no idea what's coming for them in the backyard.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Ethan Hissadulu. You are back watching another episode of the Greeks Gridiron. I am excited to have you all here. That video package was probably one of the more touching things I have seen for a retirement in the NFL. Uh, If you are not sure of why that was just being played, it was announced over an hour ago that um, Alex Smith will be retiring from the NFL. So that will be the end of his career. Uh, I do have to say that alex smith had one of the more wild careers because he was such a steady quarterback after the first few years where he really struggled with the san francisco 49ers as things started to develop and he started to get stability under jim harbaugh and his career really started to take off it constantly felt like he was being almost like not slighted but maybe shorted or so in a way and it just it 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 almost felt like he wasn't getting a fair take at a shot at being a starting quarterback in the NFL. It seemed like someone was always waiting in the wings to take his spot, whether it was Colin Kaepernick when he was in San Francisco or whether it was Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But nonetheless, he was always consistent. He was very good once he got things going. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate. His career is kind of being cut short due to such a tragic and gruesome injury like the one he had while he was in Washington there. However, the fact that he speaks from him from himself saying that he is you know he's okay with the decision and he's able to move on with his life and he's he's excited to see what's going to happen in the future of his life that makes me excited for him because he deserves that honestly i mean for somebody who has been through so much in his career he deserves every bit of opportunity to go live the rest of his life spend it with his kids enjoy himself and live freely and still have the mobility to be able to do the things he wants to do so Hats off to Alex Smith. Again, unfortunate his career is being cut a little bit short. I am happy for him, though, that he has found a little bit of happiness in retirement and he has nothing but you know his family and you know more opportunities going forward. Now, outside of that, we'll start things off. Oh, and before we get into the question of the day, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to say it today because it seems like everyone else does it. So remember, if you like what you are watching, if you enjoy the content, if you tune in weekly or you watch the videos afterwards, whatever it may be, liking the video, commenting, sharing, subbing to the channel, clicking that notification button up at the top there, all that helps me out greatly. This is a passion project of mine that I do. Um, My goal is to ultimately get somewhere within the media business, hopefully covering the NFL. So I would love for that to be kind of my future. And this is something that I plan on doing alongside that as I move on, because this allows me the freedom and creativity to really talk about what I want. So you know, whatever happens with me professionally in my career, this will always be something that I plan on doing because I have so much fun doing it. Now, getting into some of the big stuff, let's talk real quick about the quarterback situation in the draft. This goes with the question of the day that I have. How would you rank the top five quarterbacks going into this NFL draft? There is so much contention going on with who should be drafted where as far as those top five quarterbacks go. So I want you guys to fire in the comment section yourselves. You let me know what's the order you think they should be going in? Or what's the, what's the order in terms of, of players you, th- you do think? Uh, for me specifically, and this is my opinion, so don't fire at me or anything like that. I think it personally goes Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, Jones, Lance. That's kind of how I organize the quarterbacks. I'm not going to dive into my reasoning because everyone has their reasonings for where they're going to put their guys and how, you know, how they're going to organize them. I just personally think it goes Lawrence fields, Wilson, Jones, Lance based off production, based off what I've watched and kind of hearing what people have to say. Uh, I'm in that group that doesn't really understand what happened with Justin fields and why all of a sudden everyone's not looking at him as the number two guy. Cause for a long time leading up to this draft, He was the number two guy. And then all of a sudden, Wilson jumped him. And then people were starting to say that, you know, the 49ers are in love with Mac Jones. And now he's looking at like the number four or five spot. I don't know where any of that came from. I think Justin Fields is supremely talented. He is phenomenal throwing the football. You know, you saw what he did in Ohio State. And, you know, I, I would just I would love to get some answers as to why he has fallen just in terms of like importance from these top five quarterbacks here, why he's looking at like the number four or five spot right now. Outside of that, though, let's get into kind of some of the big news that's been going on in the league here. Uh, The NFL and the NFLPA have been kind of butting heads in a way as far as the offseason program goes for this year. Um, The players want virtual, the league, you know, the owners and you know the teams want them to be in person. Uh, At this point, we are looking at 19 different teams who have released statements with the NFLPA regarding not being in. In, uh, into doing the whole in person thing, all the voluntary stuff they plan on skipping. Uh, those 19 teams being the 49ers, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Jets, Bucks, Broncos, Seahawks, Giants, Bears, Raiders, Lions, Browns, Patriots, Saints, Eagles, and Ravens. So 19 of the 32 teams have all released statements. I firmly believe that by the time we get close to the beginning of the, you know, which I, I i think it was today was the start of it or it's it's coming up soon when the like the start of you know voluntary workouts and things begin uh it, that you're probably going to be looking at all 32 teams not having anyone really part- or at at minimum there'll be like very few players participating in anything um i don't know if by these teams coming out and making statements like this. The teams are just not holding the activities or anything like that. Um, I'm curious to see what some of the younger guys that maybe want to, you know, really prove themselves, plan on going in, or if they're just going to stick with everybody else that's saying, no, we're not. This could or could not cause a little bit of rift between some players because I, you know, you have to believe there are some people that want to go in and participate in this sort of stuff because they want to make a name for themselves. They want to prove themselves. And during the off season is an opportunity to do that. So that'll be interesting to follow as we go through and progress through this off season, going through the summer months, um, last month to go along with all this center, JC Treder of the Browns. He is the president of the union for the players himself. He uh, issued a statement last month, essentially calling for the end of OTAs and mini camp. So, you know, we're in a spot where the, the president union and the players are all really voicing their opinions. They don't want to be involved in this anymore. They, they want the offseason to go virtual. Obviously, last year, the entire offseason was virtual. Preseason was canceled. So, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, a real big change here potentially for the off season programs and how things are going to be structured. This will be a very weird year. I think that a lot of conversation is going to be had going through this season and into next offseason, how things will permanently change. But I do expect that there's going to be some big changes from this. Now, I do have a little graphic here that I pulled up and put together for you guys to look at as I kind of read off the numbers and things. These are some of the things that J.C. Treder himself kind of brought to attention to the league and gave his for his argument as to why we should just be getting rid of OTAs and the mini camps and everything like that and switch to a virtual offseason season. The first two things I wanted to highlight, which I thought were the biggest key pieces here, were the injuries. In the last five years, on average, about five hundred and twenty-four players were hurt a season. Last year, it was down to 2,716. That's a decrease of about 23%. So you have almost a quarter less players getting hurt throughout the entirety of the year after having that virtual offseason now you can't really argue that oh you know maybe that's just circumstance no the average again almost 1000 more players getting hurt in a season that's not just a that's not a coincidence that's not like a, a, a that is that is completely of the circumstance of the lack of putting your body through almost 9 weeks of work leading into the actual preseason and season themselves on top of that to go with it concussion and this is honestly probably even bigger than the first one concussions were down 30% from the average of about 247 to 172. That statistic alone in where the NFL is, they are trying to do everything they can to minimize injuries and especially try to eliminate concussions because it's led to a bad stigma for the league. Um, that statistic in its own should force the league's hand in looking into how they should adjust the off season stuff. Um, On top of that, uh, I have a little section here listed as comp. So the competitive nature of the game actually was improved because of this as well. Uh, They had an 11 point victory margin for the games. That's the average for the entirety of the season. That is the highest since 2006. On top of that, um, 69.9% of games were decided within eight points or less. That's, that's insane because that's second most in NFL history. So the competitive nature, when you're saying, well, like where are these numbers coming from? Well, when you think about it, more players are healthy. Some of the more elite guys are healthy. Teams are playing more closely to full strength. It's leading to far more competitive games, far more competitive atmospheres. You know, people are able to push themselves harder and play better. So this is where these, you know, these more competitive numbers are coming from. On top of that, 43 games had teams coming back down from 10 points. That's the second most in history. Uh, the total points scored throughout the entirety of the season was a, a was a, not a career high, excuse me, a league high. 12,692 points scored altogether. And then on top of that, average points per game scored, this is by teams combined, was 49.6, which is the most since 1970. So not only was the injury thing, a big piece of the discussion, but then you have to look at the competitive nature of the game. You know, people will argue that the season started off a little sloppy because yeah, there was no preseason and the teams didn't have any time to work together as a unit. Uh, You know, there's room for discussion on this whole thing and there's, you know, for way for things to change and such like that. So I don't know if things are going sh- gonna to go completely virtual, but I think what's happening is the players just want to argue the point of like, we don't need to be working as hard physically as we have been. I think that, you know, once, you know, the whole global situation settles down and f- sorts itself out and we get back to normal, will be able to, you know, they'll be able to sit down and have a discussion as for how they can adjust how like OTAs and mini camps are done, less physical activity and more so focusing on the playbook work and understanding the plays more walkthroughs as opposed to run throughs and stuff like that. Less hitting all that, all those kinds of things that the NFL PA has been pushing for every single time the CBA expires anyways. But it's great to see that players are finally taking a stand for themselves. You know, this is something that I'm really enjoying watching that the NFL is kind of in like a shift right now where players are really starting to voice their displeasures. They're really starting to take a stand and, and also proving that they do have a voice in this. Cause for a long time, it felt like, you know, whatever the owners wanted, the owners got, and now the players are really starting to push back. You know, they're, they're not, these are players of the game. They're not, you know, they're, they're not like what they're, they're not doing the owner's biddings, you know, they are players and they, and, and, they're the ones that are making all the money at the end of the day. Like, yes, the owners own the league. They provide the platform, but the players put on the product and they're the ones that take the beating and bring in all this money. They deserve a bigger voice. And I'm all for the players pushing for that. I love that. I love what I'm seeing. And I, and I hope it continues going forward. And I hope that the players start to get more of a say. I want to see an adjustment in the offseason because... I'm all for better football, and this alone showed just how strong it was. I mean, without the fans, it obviously sucked to kind of watch last year. In some instances, the fake crowd noise and all that stuff was not nice. But if we're having healthier players, crowds are going to be more electric. You know, the the games will be more electric. It'll just be more exciting to watch. That's what we're looking for in the NFL is just more entertainment, more excitement. And I want to see the players healthier. And I want to see those top tier players not going down to injuries and being lost for the entirety of the season. And those numbers show in that injury section that, yes, you know, there is a strong argument for moving a lot of the stuff into a more virtual type of offseason. Uh, outside of the whole NFL versus NFLPA stuff, uh, another piece of news that kind of popped off throughout the weekend that I'm not a fan of, and, I, and, and it just speaks to the lack of news that's going on and people looking for stories to run with. Uh, Trevor Lawrence stated in a Sports Illustrated cover story, uh, and this is the direct quote, he doesn't, and this starts the quote, have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. It's not like I need this for my life to be okay. Critics came out of the woodwork over that statement, and I think it is Absolutely ridiculous. Again, this speaks to the lack of news, the lack of th- you know, things that are going on in the league. And even for myself personally, putting the show together these last few weeks as the offseason has slowed down, barring like any big breaking news, um, uh, you know, like I kind of lucked out with the Alex Smith thing at the beginning of this. And like, and like m- when I heard that Trevor Lawrence said this, I didn't really think anything of it. I just took it as okay, like, so football is not his life, you know, he- he's somebody who he understands that there's more to life than just playing the game of football. And I don't see that as weird, but obviously people are going to take that and spin it in any narrative they want to push out some numbers and clicks and views. Uh, So people started going crazy about it, um, you know, criticizing his passion and desire for the game, you know, whether he was actually as motivated as people would want him to be as a number one pick going to the Jaguars. Um, So Trevor Lawrence, obviously naturally fired back with a massive Twitter thread here, kind of breaking everything down. And I'll read this out to you guys because I think it's hilarious. Uh, he started off by saying, it seems as if people are misreading my sentiment. I am internally motivated. I love football as much or more than anyone. It is a huge priority in my life. Obviously, obviously, um, I am driven to be the best I can be and to maximize my potential and to win. I have a lot of confidence in my work ethic. I love to grind and chase my goals. And you can ask anyone who has been in my life. That being said, I am secure in who I am and what I believe. I don't need football to make me feel worthy as a person. I purely love the game and everything that comes with it. The work, the team, the ups and downs. I am a firm believer in the fact that there is a plan for my life and I'm called to be the best I can be at whatever I am doing. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. LOL. Uh, Yeah. My thoughts. Exactly. He's he has been the best quarterback in his class coming since coming out of high school. I, I, there was never a point where, you know, Trevor Lawrence was considered an underdog or, you know, he, he had this whole story where he's fighting against all odds. He has been the number one quarterback throughout the entirety of his his football playing career at this point, and he hasn't even hit the pros. He doesn't have that underdog story. He doesn't have the chip on his shoulder. He has been the guy. It's it's similar to kind of like when you look at the way like Peyton Manning was coming out of college, uh, you know, I, I, like that's you look at him and he he was somebody that was always the best. He didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He came into the league as the best, and then he continued to stake his claim as to why he was the best. And I think Trevor Lawrence is the same here. It's just a matter of Trevor Lawrence came out and said himself, you know, I don't need football. It's not my entire identity. And on top of that, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. Of course not. Why would he like, why would he, you know, I find it hilarious that the pundits and things like that took this story and ran with it the way they did. Um, I, I, uh, when I heard the story initially come out and I read it, I not once thought to myself like, Oh, maybe he's not as passionate about like he's the number one guy for a reason. He obviously loves football. You're not the best quarterback in the nation and not passionate about what you do. You don't just casually step on the football field and become the best quarterback because you like to do it. And it's just something to do. You have to be passionate for you. You have to love what you're doing. It literally does not make sense how people spun the narrative of like, he doesn't have the desire or the passion for the game. You know, is he actually worth the number one pick? Blah, blah, blah. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. That's all I've got to say about that. Um, I think it's good. I'm glad that he's able to, you know, he has an identity outside of football. He's comfortable with who he is, whether his career is like Super Bowl or bust or not. Like that's not important to him. You know, he he's he loves the game. He loves what he's doing, but he's also a person outside of the game and he understands that. And that's something that I think is very important, especially for somebody in such a high stakes position like him going into the NFL where he's the number one pick expectations, all that kind of stuff. Like you can't just you can't look at Trevor Lawrence and be like, yeah, You know what? I don't know if you have the desire for this game, man. You you know, you've just been the best quarterback since coming out of high school, but no, I'm not buying it. I don't think so. I don't think you're worthy of the number one pick anymore. Like, come on, seriously, seriously, let's get real here. I understand that it's hard to find some news to talk about right now. Trust me as a up and you know i'm building a show from the ground up i'm sitting here some days like what the hell am i going to talk about 2 hours before i go live so i completely understand the loss of not have you know of of trying to figure out what you're going to do to talk about for today but don't just make stuff up and spin narratives because you have nothing to talk about like find something newsworthy and run with it um I, I, that, but that's all i really got to say about that whole situation i think it's ridiculous i can't believe that it got spun the way it did uh <laughs> goofy. That's all I've got to say to the people that really thought he wasn't passionate or had no desire for the game or just not enough. I mean, you, you don't casually walk in and and I've already said that before, but you don't casually walk in and just be the number one quarterback in the NFL or not in the NFL, excuse me, in college and in high school coming out as a recruit. It just doesn't happen casually like that. Um, but that those are like the two big stories that I pulled out from this past weekend. Uh, the, the Trevor Lawrence thing, again, I don't really think it's as important as you might think. Um, the NFL versus NFLPA type deal that we've been talking about here. At, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I bring this up at least once a week on one of the shows that I do on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see how it goes. I firmly expect that. We'll probably see more teams announce press releases to the NFLPA that they're not going to be doing the, uh, you know, in-person voluntary workouts and things like that. Uh, so something new that I'm going to do And spin for the show here. Uh, I have a fan question from someone I know. Dylan Oxen wanted to throw in a little question. And and I'm going to throw this question out to you guys as well. And I'll also give my answer. Uh, He asks, do you think the NFL draft has lost some juice because of the fact it's almost a foregone conclusion who the first three picks are in this upcoming draft? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say... No, because as somebody who loves football the way I do, I'm still just as excited to see what the rest of the teams are going to do. Um... For me, I almost like kind of knowing what's going to happen with those first few picks because then it causes more speculation for what's going to be happening in those later draft picks. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been decided for, you know, literally a whole season now at this point. Ever since the Jaguars, you know, started losing in week two and they weren't winning anything else, you could kind of look at it and say, okay, Trevor Lawrence probably going to go to Jacksonville. And that was pretty much decided. The Jets were a little bit of a wild card, but I mean, you had a kind of an idea that they were maybe going to be going quarterback. The rumor mill was swirling very early on that, you know, they didn't have the belief in Sam Darnold. And obviously there's an entire regime change going on, um, like underneath Joe Douglas. So, you know, you could, you could have kind of expected that they might've wanted to reset. Obviously the jets weren't as forward about it and they wanted to kind of see what was going on with the whole draft. And they wanted to see pro days before they made a decision, but a lot of people were pegging the jets to maybe go and go after a quarterback, you know, whether it was, you know, going to be Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, whoever it may be, you didn't really know, but you had the idea as for everything else. I mean, the 49ers thing moving up for a quarterback. I thought that lit a fire under the draft. You know, I made things exciting and spicy because what was initially going to be like, you had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields turned into, oh, well, the rest of the quarterbacks are actually really good as well and definitely worth high picks. Um, I'm still in the spot where I don't understand where this whole quarterback conundrum thing kind of came from. Like, again, I firmly believe Trevor Lawrence is number one. Justin Fields is number two. And then you can kind of like spin the order of the other three. I think Zach Wilson would be a strong number three. And then it's like Mac Jones or Trey Lance interchangeable. But if you wanted to argue any of those three, you could. Uh, I don't know where this whole narrative of these guys are all worthy of like top 10 picks came out of just came from. I understand they had strong pro days, but. Uh, you know, I argue the point that pro days are more than just players playing in shorts, but to an extent they are just that. So I don't see how a draft stock can rise that much from a pro day. I'm interested to see how the rest of the draft draft shakes out. But for me personally, I'm still all excited about what's going on. There is still, you know, if we're talking the first three picks, there's still another 29 teams that are picking in that first round, potentially, um, barring trades and things like that. So it's exciting to see where they're going to go. And, and I like knowing what's going on through the entirety of the league. And if, if those first three teams aren't your favorite team, you're still looking forward to whatever team is picking in the draft or whatever your team is picking for in the draft come their pick in that first round. Uh, and then from the rounds then on after. Uh, but that's my thoughts on it. Curious to see what you guys think. Do you think the NFL draft has lost some juice because of the fact it's a foregone conclusion that the first pick three picks are probably going to be Lawrence, Wilson Jones in that order. Most likely. I mean, there's always the possibility. It ends up not going that way. The 49ers could have watched the second day for Justin Fields pro day and been like, you know what? Just kidding. Maybe we want Justin Fields. Who knows? You never really know. Uh, Some Browns news that came out this past weekend, Sheldon Richardson, who funny enough, Tweeted out that the Browns defense was going to be really good, became a cap casualty because of the signing of DeDevion Clowney a few days prior. So uh, it was a real like spin of <laughs> like what goes around comes around, but like he was excited for it. And then all of a sudden, he's not even going to be a part of the team anymore. So you kind of look at that as like it's a salary dump per se. They needed to make up room for him. I believe they freed up roughly a million, like 11 million in cap space by doing that. So, it, and you know, cap casualty type deal. Uh, I still think that the Browns defense is going to be really good, even without Sheldon Richardson. R- Richardson, I think, still has some good games left in him for at least a few more seasons. So he'll end up going somewhere that I think probably more leaning on the side of a contender. He's made a lot of money in his career. So I think at this point, he probably wants a ring. And having played for the Jets and the Browns, you want to be somewhere that's going to put you in a contention to maybe you know end your career with a ring or two, depending on where he wants to go. So that might be something he could be looking at. But Sheldon Richardson, no longer a part of the Browns. Um, and then the last piece of news that actually came out today as well. And I thought that this was pretty exciting. The Cincinnati Bengals have released their new uniform looks. Uh, I'm, a, I'm pointing the wrong direction. It's to my right. But to your guy, to your guys, it's I, I don't know. The directions are all flipped over here. For me, it's my right, which is your left. But for you guys, it's my right, which is my left. <laughs> but um, the Bengals here announced their new uniforms. I think they look really sleek. I'm a big fan of them. Um, I've always liked the Cincinnati orange and black type deal. The NFL seems to be moving more towards like a less busy, more like sleek, sharp type look for a lot of uniforms for the teams that have been swapping their uniforms around. Uh, as a Colts fan, I've always been very, uh, very big on the, the very like, it, it, cause they have a very clean and basic look to them. I think they look nice. Uh, And then they added the blue pants for the color rush uniform. So I'm a really big fan of how the Colts uniforms look simple, but very nice looking. Uh, And, you know, it seems like a lot of teams are leaning into that direction, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, So they look very nice on top of that. They also posted a picture with uh, Chad Johnson in it. Number 85, 85, that looks great. I think that looks awesome. Uh, <laughs> holding the cigar looks clean. Love the look of the uniforms. I'm a big fan of that orange on black look that they have going on there. I like the two big stripes on the sides. The uh, The font looks really nice, too. This actually it looks like a variation almost of the um, the Chicago Bears orange alternate uniforms is kind of what it reminds me of. But I'm a big fan of the way it looks. It looks very nice, very clean, very simple. And I'm a big fan of the simple more look. I don't like the super busy ones. Um, or anything that's like too outlandish and bright, I'm not a big fan of. Like those, and this is just my opinion. So if Seahawks fans, see this, do not yell at me. But I'm not a big fan of like the neon green look that the Seahawks have. I like their I like their blue that they have there. That's more my cut. That's more my kind of style there. Uh, I don't like when the colors are too bright and outlandish. Um, when it comes to like greens or yellows, uh, orange can be kind of tough. But because they run with black, it looks really good in Cincinnati. Um, another example, I guess, would be like. Um, the Rams bright yellow uniforms I was never really big on. And then trying to think who else has like a more bright kind of... I didn't really like the really bright Jets look that they had going on for their Color Rush uniforms that they introduced a few years back. Not a fan of that either. Blues are really good. I think that's okay. you know, Because blue can't get that bright. No matter how bright you go, blue is still kind of like a dark-ish color. Uh, So those look okay. But I've never been a big fan of like the crazy, fancy looking uniforms. I like the more cleaner, sleek type of look. It just makes the players look faster. It makes them look more intense. You know, I'm a big fan of all that. Uh, but that pretty much it that's pretty much it. I, like I said, as I was talking about the Trevor Lawrence thing, there is really not a whole lot to talk about going on in the league right now. It is a very slow period we're essentially waiting for the draft where all the draft breakdowns are happening, where we break down, you know, where the players have gone. Um, I've been uploading draft breakdowns of teams. If you guys haven't checked those out yet, I actually have a playlist set up on the YouTube channel where you can check that out, where we break down team by team. Uh, I've had Eli come on and he's broken down a few teams at me. I've done a few on my own, either during the show or just pre-recorded on my own. So I definitely recommend checking those out if you're interested in teams. Probably not going to get to all 32 teams before the draft rolls, excuse me, rolls around, but we are going over like, The teams that have really interesting prospects to them and just who's worth talking about. Uh, We have a few more teams in mind that we want to get over uh, before the draft actually starts. So be on the lookout for those. They're typically in between or outside of the uh, recording days. So usually I'll pull up like one or maybe two in between show days. I'll throw up one somewhere between Friday and Sunday before we lead into Monday for the next show. So I definitely recommend checking those out. Um, The Panthers one, I think, is really good. The Patriots one that me and Eli just did was a really good breakdown as well. Um, He's a big Patriots fan, so he had some really good insight on players there. Uh, And even if you're not a fan of those teams, it's always interesting to just sit there and kind of see what's going on. But other than that, I'll run back the question of the day for you guys one more time before I let you all go. How would you rank the top five quarterbacks going into this draft? For me personally, I'm looking at Lawrence Fields. Then from there, you have Wilson, Jones, and Lance. You can kind of change those guys around, but that's the way I look at it. I would love to know what you guys think about those top five quarterbacks. Uh, And, you know, where do you think they should be going? You know, if the rumors are true, are the 49ers making a mistake going after Mac Jones? Are the Jets making a mistake going after Zach Wilson? It seems like it's a foregone conclusion. He's going there. So do you think they should have been maybe looking at Justin Fields a little bit harder? What do you guys think about those top five QBs? Um, As always... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We post on all those different things as well. Um, You know, I talk about some of the news that's going on or just interact with, you know, and just talk about things here and there. Whenever I see stuff, I like to, you know, do little deep dive analysis on things here and there on the social media accounts. Make sure you check those out. And again, liking the videos, commenting, sharing, subscribing, hitting that notification button, all that stuff is awesome as well. But I appreciate you all for joining me on this Monday afternoon. My name is Ethan Hristadulu. Thank you all for watching and have a good rest of your Monday, everybody.